The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. H.P. Lovecraft Everyone fears something. Fear is built into us, and if you are really lucky, it will not consume you. There is a niggle at the back of your brain, reminding you not to hang your legs off the bed, not to look behind you as you run up the stairs at night after turning off the light. When passing a mirror, you hope that it was only your reflection you could see. That inch of movement you think you've seen from the corner of your eye. That blood-run cold feeling you get for no reason. That is fear. Welcome to a look into the unknown, where fear is always on the cards. Welcome to Paranormal Power. Good evening, ladies and gents. It is Friday. We are Friday today, isn't it? I'm losing track. It is Friday, yes. It's definitely Friday. Friday. (laughs) Uh, Good start. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we've got a special treat for you guys. Um, So last week when we were doing our Greyfriars episode with James Kerstorfen, we were blown away, uh, J-Mac and Kieran especially, when they saw that Cody had come in from TAPS and the... the, uh, the comment section <laughs> and uh and from there we just kind of went on a bit of a tap spree after the episode and we reached out to cody and we kind of had a look into the stuff that he's been doing with his missus and they are the paranormal couple which is uh they have their own their own uh, it's a, a museum it's the paranormal couples haunted museum of o- objects oddities and curiosities that is hard for me to say, <laughs> I say that bit, really you've done fun. well you've done well <laughs> yeah i mean i'm feeling a bit under the weather so i'll, I'll take that as a, a five star so we're really looking forward to speaking to them today about not only what they do with their museum uh what they've been doing on the show ghost hunters uh but what they you know their beginning what got them interested in the paranormal and what their journey is so far and how was it the paranormal side of things that brought them together all that really cool stuff just before we get to that i would like to say our main man meatloaf and here he is uh pictured with the guys from ghost hunters yeah. uh we do this episode today as yeah, the I remember that iconic. episode yeah yeah, yeah I remember that um this, uh, he's fun legend. he was he was mm-hmm. a really fun guy he really was yeah. um and um it's a, a loss to the world definitely yeah absolutely, yeah, absolutely. so uh rest in peace meatloaf the legend that always will be uh, um so yeah we're really looking forward to speaking to the guys if you've got questions pop them in the comments um and we'll bring them up and enjoy so i'm going to just play a quick a quick uh clip here from their recent episode on the ghost hunters enjoy On this floor, there's a report of a woman crying and a male apparition has been seen. If there's anybody that's up here tonight, we'd like to introduce ourselves. My name is Cody. I'm Satori. There's a lot of activity here that the owners just want an explanation for. So if anybody's here right now, could you please come towards us? Maybe introduce yourself. I'm hearing something. Footsteps. I thought I just saw something down the hall. 
What the hell is that? What is that? If somebody's down there and would like to say hello, maybe you want to keep your distance, you're trying to figure out what we're doing, we're trying to give you the best chance for you to show yourself to us. Do you think we should try our thing and see if that works? Yeah, I mean, we can definitely try it. When Satori and myself uh, started dating, we found that when we connected, like holding hands, it seems to elevate activity even more. So if you're here, I think I heard you walk over. Can you give me loud knocks? One for yes, two for no. Does that make sense? Can I get a yes knock? Okay. Oh, geez. I'm going to go through the alphabet, and when I go through that alphabet, the letter that is the first letter of your name, I want you to knock it out, and then I'll restart. And we'll keep going until we spell out your entire name. Ladies and gentlemen, Cody Ray Desbians and Satori Halls. I did pronounce your name there, right? You did. Good job. <laughs> Yes. Do you know I, I always screw up names, so it's a sign that I'm onto something right tonight. I was I was so convinced it was going to be very French sounding, like Debian. Debian. Yeah, some people well. say Debian. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it all depends where you're from. I would have yeah. I would have thought you guys would have said Debian being on that side of the uh, pond, but that's great. That's, that's in, all, in all fairness, we did uh, on the, the last episode. We read it as Debian, but that's uh, fine. That's yeah. fine. Either way. <laughs> so, and how are you, how are you guys doing tonight, anyway? We're doing good. We're glad to be here. Glad we can make this work and, and get the chance to talk to you guys. And yeah, it was happenstance. I, I checked in on your podcast last week and and uh, oh. thought it was awesome. I really thought it was great the way you guys uh, put the show on. And and uh, yeah, I love checking in on stuff like that. And you guys are great. I'm glad you reached out. Thanks. Thank you. All, cre Thank all you. credit goes to that guy there, by the way. He does all the hard work. Um, we do we do the, the talking and uh, a little bit of preparation. This guy puts his absolute heart and soul heart in it. Heart and soul and everything. Uh, yeah. who, are we, who, are we, who are we pointing at? I'm pointing, <laughs> at, I'm pointing at you, and I did it right for the first time ever. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm joking. Um, so we, like I said, had had mentioned recently we we only just started this paranormal patter uh because we are inquisitive and we wanted to talk more to people in the space of, of paranormal happenings now i've had a few uh instances in my life where i'd seen things and been like what the and it, it just you know you get people that are like i load of rubbish it doesn't exist all this kind of stuff i've never been able to subscribe to that because of just certain things that i'd seen yeah objects moving on their own across a room and i i mean i told this story many times on the podcast so i'll give like a abbreviated version but i was in a room with, with my gran i was sitting on the couch and tv used to be uh you know how tvs never used to be slim they used to have like a, 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 a quite a <laughs> we all remember that right there's a called crt tv that's, <laughs> yeah. that's there you go <laughs> so there's a candle sitting in the middle of that so there's no way in hell that that candle could just fall there's no way because yeah. it'd have to travel and then fall Right. which just physically is impossible and I, I heard the knocking sound so this and then i saw it travel like it had been whacked i heard it being whacked and i saw it with my own eyes go across the room and from that point on i was like and i didn't even feel scared you would think as like a 10 year old boy you'd be like oh no yeah. <laughs> if anything it was more comforting to me to go wow like wow. i was like there's there actually is something there to me since from that point in time 
I've always believed and there is more and um, for yourselves um either uh, i mean i imagine both of you have a, a first time what was for that both of you what was your first time that you ever encountered or that moment for you where you were like wow no one can discredit this now for me sure so yeah so for me it seems like most people that get interested in this stuff you either have an experience uh you know like you mm -hmm. did kevin or you're you just get into it from pure interest uh for me when i was about eight years old i grew up um in uh massachusetts here in the united states town of massachusetts the house i grew up in I was an only child and i lived on uh, the second floor of this house and mm -hmm. uh, my grandparents lived on the first floor and i remember waking up uh one night i wasn't feeling well and going into my parents bedroom and asking to spend the night in there for some reason and you know they accepted and i remember crawling in between my mom and dad and and trying to fall asleep i remember tossing and turning for about 15 minutes and uh, i opened my eyes and what i saw i describe it as about 10 men they were going through the wall on the left side of the headboard uh, kind of gliding around the bed going through the wall on the right side of the headboard and just kept kind of floating around in a circle absolutely freaked me out i had never seen anything like that in my life i remember seeing the television through one of their heads um, <laughs> totally scared the, scared the crap out of me i remember pulling the covers over my head and eventually falling asleep and uh, they i remember they were all mumbling the same thing i couldn't understand what was being said uh, but uh, I think that's what got me interested in the technical side of investigating and, and trying mm -hmm. to record, uh, you know, EVP, you know, voices, spirit voices and things like that. Uh, I never saw that experience again. Uh, but other people that lived in the house, my parents, my grandparents, they all would hear or see strange things. I remember one instance, my grandparents would be babysitting me during the day when my parents were at work and we'd hear a loud, you know, boot, loud stopping upstairs. Mm -hmm. Uh, where I lived and my grandfather would go running up there thinking somebody had broken in and there'd be nobody there. The doors would be locked. Uh, and that was making him a non-believer start scratching his head and saying, you know, something strange is going on here and I don't know what it is and I don't want to know what it is. Uh, but me on the other hand, I wanted to know what it was. And uh, I just, you know, started getting interested in it and going to the library, taking out different books. And of course, ghost hunters came on the air and, and uh, started, you know, watching that and happen to live in the right area. It's one of those right places at the right time situations and uh, ended up, you know, joining TAPS, uh, which was crazy. I ended yeah. up joining another local group first, uh, but that group ended up uh, disbanding and breaking up. And uh, I remember going on a second case with another local group and uh, the person that they paired me up with happened to be the case manager for, for the TAPS team. I had no idea oh, her. And uh, at the end of the night, she goes, you know, I really like the way you work. And uh, I would love to, you know, talk to Jason, you know, her dad and and would mm -hmm. love to have you on the on the team. And I was blown away because I had message taps when I first wanted to join a team and they said, no. <laughs> so, so I was <laughs> and uh, so I ended up joining and and, uh, you know, I guess the rest is history from that from that standpoint. So Tori, on the other hand, totally different story than me. Yes, uh -huh. I guess I was lucky enough not to have, you know, these, um, you know, these crazy, scary experiences that made me really want to look for more. I did yeah. grow up in a household where it was completely normal to believe in the paranormal, to go looking for it. My dad started TAPS, the Atlantic Paranormal Society, um, 1990. I wasn't even born yet. So <laughs> I just, I was born into it. Uh, around 2004, Ghost Hunters took off. I saw my dad not as, you know, this big, bad celebrity ghost hunter. I saw him going to work every day before the show even, ha like, even happened. It was helping people. Yeah. That's how I knew him. He didn't really talk much about it, but 
you know, he said, I went, I'm, I'm going to go help people. I'm going to go make sure they feel safe and comfortable. So I wanted to do that. That's why I kind of dedicated my life to doing this. Also, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. I will be honest, it did get some strange looks at school when, you know, everybody was talking about their family jobs and, you know, my dad's a doctor, my dad's a firefighter, my dad's a ghost hunter. So it was a little strange for me, um, you know, from everybody else. But for me, it was relatively normal growing up like this. And I just wanted to do it too. That's so cool. I mean, there's, there's so impressive. many, there's so many things you could be born into, and to be born into yeah. something like that is awesome. Mm. I mean, you could have been born into, I don't know, plumbing. Uh, in fact, yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> you must. I, you, even, I did not plan that. That was. That. Yes, you did. I didn't. I mean, see for for your experience there, Cody. That would have terrified me. Like ten men just like kind of circling your bed. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, and did you ever get any? Did you ever look into that and the history as as to what that was? So the closest thing uh, we could find, of course, this whole area is you know Native American territory, mm -hmm. uh, and there's a lot of Native American burial grounds. I don't believe it was that. The only closest thing I could find other than that was the house was built on a old uh, coal mine. Uh, it covered that you know, area uh, of the neighborhood that my house was in. And uh, it was a time before they started recording uh, deaths and things like that in the United States and especially in this area. Uh, so who knows the history of what happened on that land before the house was even built there. Uh, we were the first owners to live in the house. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't a situation with a past owner or anything like that. I think it was de definitely something to do with the land. Uh, I'm just not mm -hmm. sure what, and I never saw it again. So I don't know. I don't know. Damn. Did you ever kind of hope to see it again? Was, was that like absolutely like, even kind of immediately after it happened? Were you like, oh, I want to see that again, or were you just kind of terrified at that point? Yeah, not not immediately after. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, down down the line a bit when when you know, especially when my grandparents started seeing stuff. Uh, my parents were hearing things and everything else. I think once it became a regular situation that strange stuff was happening, I think it became more of an interest. Uh, and that's what kind of, you know, started me on the process of really looking into the stuff to see if it is uh, something that's tangible. You know what I mean? I mean, there are normal explanations, normal ways you can explain away what I had seen. I mean, I wasn't feeling that feeling great that night. Uh, could it be a type of hallucination, hypnagogic or hypnopompic hallucinations or when you're falling asleep or waking up, especially when you're not feeling well? Do I believe it was? No. Uh, but could it be? <laughs> Possible. Um, hmm. so, so you start looking into those uh, other possibilities. Uh, the fact that everybody was seeing something uh, kind of, you know, made a little more clearer that it wasn't, you know, something normal happening with the with the human uh, brain or anything like that. It was something that we just didn't understand was happening. And that's when it, you know, became a real interest to figure out, you know, what was happening and then finding out that other people are experiencing similar things. And there's teams that go out and look for this stuff. Uh, kind of just blew me away. Uh, and I definitely wanted to jump in and, and join uh, you know, a team at least uh, to try helping out, especially families that with with mm -hmm. kids around the same age that I had my experience uh, mm -hmm. to, to learn about and teach them, um, you know, that it's not all bad and um, it might look scary, uh, but mm -hmm. uh, nine times out of 10, it's not. Uh, and it's just, you know, something, you know, something that, you know, you should be uh, grateful for witnessing. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, um, the I, I read a book and this is kind of what you're saying there when other people start to say the same things about the same area so there's a book called the ghost that haunted itself and that's by jan 
Andrew Henderson. He owns City of the Dead Tours, so he's the guy that basically runs Greyfriars Courtyard. And when I read his book, uh, he talks about this old ghost that used to haunt a house in Edinburgh. And what happened was people would say that they'd seen this woman with, a, 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 with no head and a baby. Now, several different people said this, and they were non-connected because I don't know what the house had then become. I think it was like for years later, different people had lived in the house, and they all say, there's this ghost of this woman with no head and a baby. And people were like, well, there did used to be a woman that lived there, and she had a baby, but she left when her husband died. And then what had what had happened is years later, they demolished the house because it was, I think, that, that area they'd just kind of run down. So they've demolished it to build new houses or whatever. And they went they'd seen that the house actually had a cellar. They went into the cellar and uh, there, there was a chest. And in that chest, there was the remains of a woman and a baby. And the head had actually been cut off the woman because she couldn't fit in the chest. So what had happened was the woman's husband had died and th her husband's brother had murdered her and the child so that he would inherit the wealth. Oh. And uh, But here's the thing. They, no one knew she was dead. And yet they were seeing this apparition of a headless woman and a baby. And only years later that she was actually dead. So, you know, it's not like someone was like, oh, well, we know this woman's dead, so of course I see the ghost. They're telling themselves. This was someone who wasn't believed to be dead, yet so many people were seeing her, with the head missing being a detail as well that no one knew. So, you know, think about that. Yeah. When it comes to people saying, you know. Yeah, it's experiences like that that really make it impossible uh, for this stuff not to exist. Um, and, you know, I think everybody should have some sort of skepticism uh, when they're mm -hmm. researching this stuff. I think you should always go in an unbiased view. I think that's mm -hmm. the best way to go into this stuff. Yeah. Uh, definitely don't go in as a, you know, a full 100% believer <laughs> that something's going to happen because everything, mm -hmm. you know, every little noise you hear, uh, you're going to, you know, say it's paranormal. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's stuff like that that you just can't explain away. What's like, that's impossible. What's interesting is there's a case in America where there was somebody that was murdered. And I remember it was in like the <coughs> 1800s and they said somebody saw a ghost that told them how they were killed and where to find them and all these things mm, and it actually yeah. was true and they had to like make sure that the person claiming that they saw the ghost wasn't involved in any way but it it's crazy how that stuff happens yeah i, I believe it 100 percent. that's insane surely yes. in that sense that the stories and the the like the collaborative you know vision that all these people are having haven't seen the same story seen the same ghost the same details surely that then starts to build an evidence case against mm -hmm. you know a, a historic event and that scenario happened to be a murder but if everyone's seeing the same thing surely that's like okay well that's clear-cut evidence that this happened and all these people it turns out they were all telling the truth that this ghost was real yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we we definitely have objects in the museum that that have uh, similar experiences where everybody is experiencing the same thing at different times, and it's impossible, you know, that you know, especially in you know one case where it's all children, uh, that they all have the same imaginary friend. I mean, that's impossible. Um, I mean, that freaks me out. Yeah. I, that. I hate that. I hate <laughs> when you start involving kids in these stories, I just start yeah. chilling out. It's not chilling out. Chilling up. Um, <laughs> lots of stories with children that, uh, tell them tell them there. tell them all bring them on yeah yeah um before we Is get that, to that huh i'll just <laughs> do that um so you guys are the paranormal couple so did you guys meet on the set of uh ghost hunters or <laughs> did you guys have a oh you laugh 
what happened? <laughs> Tell us the story. <laughs> well, actually, we met the first day we met was on a way to a case. I decided I wanted to professionally, you know, join the team, not just for fun, but to actually help people um, yeah. as an adult on cases. So I want to join the team. The case manager was like, OK, um, we have a case here, Connecticut, in the United, in the United States. And she's like, all right, this time we'll see you there. All of a sudden, I get a message right after that. And it's Cody. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hi, I hear you're interested in joining the team. This is awesome. Um, I'm heading that way anyway. I'll pick you up and bring you. Little oh, did I yeah. know that he didn't. He drove like an hour off route to come pick oh, me up and oh. bring me. Um, and we clicked immediately. Smooth. We became best friends, best friends. And then that went on for a while. And then we both realized, you know, hey, we're both single. We're both happy. <laughs> Um, let's, you know, come together like that. And then people started going, you guys, you, you guys are an awesome paranormal couple. And that's where the name started. We were accidentally dubbed <laughs> on social media. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That, Cody, that is, that's the perfect way to slip yes. into the DMs. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Right there. <laughs> Cody, you tell your version of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember driving an hour off. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Maybe I did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it probably went something like this. Like, uh, so my daughter's going to be joining us on Friday, and Cody's like, "What's her name?" And then searches her on Facebook, and is like, "All right, I see she's what an hour and a half away." <laughs> we have Satori's dad to thank. Thank for us meeting. I guess. Yeah, the one and only Jason Hawes. I've got to say, the guy is an absolute legend in my book. He is. Absolutely. <laughs> so my, you guys, my, that was my childhood all over, just hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. you can, Ken, yeah. you've just reminded me how much younger you are than me. That was my <laughs> adulthood. That was my adulthood, not my childhood. How old are you? I'm 37. Yeah, you don't look it. Oh, oh thanks. Yeah, you don't look Thank you very much. Um, I, I, I take it easy. <laughs> I have a job. I do have a job. <laughs> you guys have, uh, which I've seen as well in the, uh, the recent clip as well, there's a, a definitely an energy between you both that when you link up together, it's almost like a superpower. And do you find that that heightens, like, to, to get, I kind of know what you mean because, I have been in scenarios where I can almost feel an energy. Yeah. And sometimes I'll put my hands very close together, not touching. And I can almost feel like a stream of uh, nothing, but it's strange how it feels. Now, I'm not in any way a paranormal dude or anything, but I can sometimes tune into that wee energy, mm -hmm. right? So I imagine it's something, I would imagine it to be something quite similar. Is that kind of what you guys share? Can you kind of verbalize what it is that you guys share together and how you kind of connect it and what it is that it does around yeah, you sure uh so when when i first started investigating the stuff and before i met satori i was a very technical based investigator i, I always use equipment that would record all of its findings i solely based a lot of my investigating on uh on equipment and collecting mm -hmm. data because that's that's the type of investigating i i wanted to get into i'm not psychic at all or or you know oh uh, we're sensitive. psychic as a bag of rocks yeah i know yeah we, we never did that and to be honest with you i didn't i i truly believe that a lot of the people that claim to be mediums or psychics um that that they weren't and uh you mm -hmm. know that's just not the way uh 
our team was founded on. It was always, you know, fact-based and, uh, and, you know, solely investigation. <laughs> and then we tripped that up a little bit. And then, yeah, so then Satori joins the team and uh, the first, you know, TAPS does a lot of cases that don't get featured on, on television. We get mm -hmm. uh, close to, you know, a thousand emails a week uh, from, from mm -hmm. around the country and they all get split up to different TAPS family teams. Uh, so we were doing a private case that wasn't, you know, televised. And uh, right away, you know, Satori and myself were, of course, paired up. Uh, and, you know, we've always been paired up ever since. Uh, and, you know, the team goes off in groups of two. And right away, uh, the place was active. A lot of footsteps. And we thought that we were just at an active location. Yes. You know? And then, you know, every time we went there, this was happening. And I, um, you know, it would always be something strange. Like I would brush up against his shoulder or I would hand him something and I would touch his mm -hmm. arm, something like that. And activity sounded like it would ramp up a bit. So by like the fifth time, because we didn't pick up on this anytime soon, um, we were at another location and it was happening again. And this time I was like, you know, just for the heck of it. And I touched his shoulder and I said, if anybody's here, can you give me one for yes, two for no, just let me know. And we were getting intelligent communication somebody mm -hmm. was coming through and talking to us and they were just as confused about it as we were um <laughs> so we had to kind of explain that and they had to explain what was going on with them and how this was working our best guess is kind of like what you said energy um we've talked to you know my father about this um john zaffis another paranormal collector and investigator mm. um and just kind of got a lot of theories and they believe it's something like a battery like energy uh, we think mm. cody's some sort of a sender because he gets weak in the legs when when the energy thing happens i could be a receiver because my head always hurts after you know we we do long mm. sessions like that um so we think it's something like a wire like a battery of energy yeah not really sure you guys are like the real life Ghostbusters, essentially. <laughs> I was, was right? going to ask, like before, yeah. you know, before you do, like you know, you said story to story that you you touch his shoulder and you know mm -hmm. the energy, uh, the activity would ramp up. Before that point, and then afterwards, do you notice like a uh, like a mental like clarity between the two, or like how does your headspace change from you know making that bond and then? Obviously, you then have to break it between moving around or whatever. So, how does it change your mental like faculties in the in the process? You know, we're going to be completely honest with you. We say we're psychic as a bag of rocks because <laughs> we aren't really. We don't get visions. We don't really get some intense feelings. Um, we can't tell you that we're seeing or feeling anything really. You know, concrete. Um, we don't know. I mean, we're kind of just connected in that yeah. way. I mean, for me, I, I you know. The clip you showed at the beginning was the first time that that we did, you know, that technique on on television, uh, on national television. And, you know, we kind of kept it a secret for a while because it was, you know, Great. really it was really unbelievable. And we were just trying to hone in on what actually was happening because, you know, to till this day, I still get blown away by some of the results that we get. I mean, we've done this a lot now. Uh, and like I said, it just hasn't been televised. Uh, but privately, we've done it on cases. And usually, uh, you know, a family will be around us when we're doing it. And then once we start mm -hmm. getting the answers, I mean, everybody can hear what's going on. I mean, it's audible noise. Uh, mm -hmm. The story will go through the alphabet and then, you know, spell out a word or something. And when the names start making sense, uh, usually you can see it on my face that I'm, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, it's, <laughs> it's making sense. And it still <laughs> blows me away. So my head is, you know, just saying, you know, what the hell is going on? Yeah, still I mean, maybe, every single time. Maybe an energy tingle and headaches. Headaches are very fun. <laughs> but that's really it. 
Yeah. And that, that, that's no fun. Uh, Stephen Thompson says, I watched Missouri State Prison episode of Ghost Hunters last night. That was crazy. Uh, oh, Stephen yeah, Thompson, a big cool. fan of Ghost Hunters. Um, <laughs> you, there are skeptics. Now, I know J Mac has been on, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, you will be, was at uh, Most Haunted Live. <laughs> um, J Mac went on that show and he, and what you said, you found it to be quite disingenuous. Yeah. No, no, I didn't at the time. Uh, I did, but, I, what was it I, later? It was it was later on. It was it was kind of it was on, on a retrospective mm-hmm. feel, um, and things that had come out kind of subsequent to me being on the show and things like that. But I don't know. I, I, it was it was entertaining. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll definitely give it that. But I just I don't think it was quite. I, I don't think the, the program didn't stay the way it set out to be. Mm. Um, and I think that that gets forced on them by production companies and stuff like that it's an unfortunate thing that can happen yeah so what what would you say to people that because anytime you put on a ghost uh, a ghost hunting tv series or anytime you say oh look uh i'm gonna have people on you always get these people that are like ah it's fake the cameraman's tapping stuff Mm -hmm. what would you say to people like that to kind of defend ghost hunters um and uh, well, I know as far as far as ghost hunters go, I mean, mm-hmm. we can't speak for any other show for sure. Yeah. Uh, as far as ghost hunters go, uh, at least here in the States, ghost hunters was the first show uh, that wasn't casted. It, uh, it, the mm-hmm. team had already existed. You know, like Satori said, it was founded in 1990 and production companies just kept approaching the team and Jason mm-hmm. kept turning them down for a while until, uh, you know, one day, you know, they said, you know, we're just going to follow you around not change anything, just do what you do and we'll send a camera crew in. And then finally he agreed to that really, you know, reluctantly. I mean, cause he didn't want to do it uh, and didn't think it would last long. To this day, Jay still has full control over everything. He's the executive producer, so there's no production company telling him what to do. Mm-hmm. It's great. My know? father wouldn't agree to do it unless he had control and made sure that nothing fake was being yeah. was, was being produced by companies and things like that. For people that don't believe, I mean, all I really have to say to these people is that's fine. We yeah. we support you. We love you either way, whether you you believe in us or support us or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to spend my entire life trying to prove myself to people that they're going to believe anyway. <laughs> so you know don't ruin the fun for everybody else if you don't believe because it might be true and you might be duping yourself so one of sorry one of my favorite episodes of ghost hunters was actually i mean it was it was a while ago but um it was actually the one i can't remember where they were but i'm sure it was like some kind of kind of seaside resort um maybe a restaurant and the the guy the guy there had set up all the stuff to happen during the night and and the taps team caught him out he's like yeah you've set up these uh uh yeah. the soul the solar every now and again you've you've set up this uh this a two-way mirror that shows a face staring back at you and shit like that yeah, stuff I mean, like that sorry i, I think <laughs> as well uh, that um, yeah i, yeah, I, I love the fact yeah. that they caught them out <laughs> Loved it. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And that's 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 happened more than once for sure. And that's how Taps got noticed in the first mm-hmm. place was a was a I believe it was a New York Times article that went viral uh, because mm-hmm. you know Taps had uh, basically disproven a haunting. The guy built speakers in the wall and everything else. And that's what all these production companies started getting wind of of mm-hmm. you know what Taps was. And that's what they wanted that's to base the show off of. Uh, so it definitely still happens to this day. Uh, and the only thing I can say is, you know, a lot of the stuff, uh, you know, you don't truly believe in in this until you have an experience. You may say you believe in it, uh, but until you have an experience, you don't truly believe in everything. And a lot of the stuff 
uh, that we've done, I probably wouldn't believe myself if I didn't, yeah. if I wasn't there to experience it. Uh, so, so uh, at least what we do, the technique w- w- that we do is definitely a hard pill to swallow, especially if mm-hmm. you've been looking for the stuff for a while, uh, and then just get those answers so straightforward. It's definitely something that you have to witness in person. I mean, it's one of those things you have to see in person mm-hmm. uh, to actually see that you know this is this is actually something that's really happening. You know, I, I yeah. find that the uh, the more like. If someone's going to lie about an experience, usually they'd go for something quite out there. Like, mm-hmm. I find the more realistic, like a candle being thrown from a TV, these sure. kind of things are like, they're not that exciting. So you tend to believe mm-hmm. someone with a, like, you know, I heard a knock or someone run up downstairs. It's easier to believe that because it's not, it's not, it's like, you're going to be imaginative, aren't you? If you're going to create something from nothing. Right. Um, but uh, this is one of the reasons why we, like I say, we have our own production team and we're heading out to Greyfriars and we totally expect nothing to happen, you know, because yeah. everybody that's kind of been following us for the past three years, you kind of know us and we wouldn't do it to go out there and just make something up. It's definitely going to be real. And if anything, if at least if it's not, if nothing happens, at least they know it'll kind of be entertaining from J-Mac proper crapping himself. I'm like, I'm not going in there. You know, so yeah. at least we think we can offer somebody something, even if nothing happens. If something happens, it's a bonus, you know. That's, that's kind awesome. Of that's kind of the way we've looked at it. And again, I think, like you say, it is all about what what you experience. And I think that kind of is what will, will essentially turn someone's head the really on. The really irritating thing about it all is um, the fact that when you have just off of what you were saying, Kevin, about having mm-hmm. an experience, and when you have an experience, you tend, you know, it's not as massive and extravagant. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of my first kind of major experiences, which I spoke about in the past, was about like a complete full uh, mm-hmm. body apparition I seen of a woman uh, in the hotel that I worked in, mm-hmm. and even telling people after that, you know, you get the usual answers of, uh, well, you're, you know, that's not true or it can't be possible and all that, and that becomes more frustrating than anything else. You almost kind of wish other people were with you at the time, just mm. just so you have that extra, like, added, mm. you know, reassurance to yourself. Not that it plays doubt in your mind, but eventually after a while, there's going to come a point where you're like, no, I know what I saw. And I was like, no, you never. You're like, okay, well, did I see that? Is that what mm. I seen? And like, you know, it's not changed my mind, but eventually, you know, it has to come a point where it plays into people's psyche enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and we've got a question here from Craig Matthewman. He's the guy that does some of this amazing artwork. Like you can see us all animated up there in the corner. Yes. Oh, that's this, awesome! This is a hugely talented fella, um, and he's another fan of the paranormal as well. And he asks, "Love the accents? That's you guys, because he's also Scottish, like us." So <laughs> yeah. What accents? We sound normal. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we thought until we started speaking to Americans. Oh my gosh, you everything. guys came on the show and you said hi, and I was like. this is different (laughs) um, he asks what's the most unusual haunted objects you've ever come across interesting uh yeah Mm -hmm. tag or handle i'm trying to think of stuff that's around us we definitely have a lot yeah so Mm -hmm. currently the museum uh has about 300 uh and counting 350 objects and And um, wow. most of the objects we have, I mean, it's not the goal to get the biggest collection or, or anything like that. We're a foster um, home. We take yeah. care of them. <laughs> most of the time, you know, objects, we meet a lot of people. And we try talking them in and giving them advice to try keeping the object. Because that's the last resort is for them to try getting rid of it. But one of the more strange objects is a is a, a, a toe tag here. And the, and the story behind this, uh, this, this piece here is uh, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, here in the United States. 
I love how you keep adding um, United States. (laughs) 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 Uh, A woman was mowing her her front lawn and uh, Mm -hmm. she had finished up. She's sitting on the front steps and notices something glistening in the sun. Uh, So she walks over to it, picks it up, thinking it's a coin or something, brings it inside. And right away, as soon as she she steps over the threshold of her house, uh, Mm -hmm. she starts experiencing strange uh, stuff that wasn't happening before. Uh, Never had any Mm -hmm. paranormal activity, uh, but all of a sudden starts seeing the shadow figure inside of her house that wasn't there before. Uh, Thought it was really strange, really freaked her out. Didn't put two and two together that it might be something with this, this piece here. So she sets it on the counter, uh, kind of forgets about it, uh, and then remembers it and, and starts investigating a little further with a magnifying glass and notices that it wasn't a coin. Uh, it had the name of a cemetery on it and a number. Uh, mm. She had no idea what it was. She had heard of the cemetery before uh, and decided to call them up and see you know, if they knew what it was. Uh, so she gives them a call, and the guy that answers the phone was the caretaker of the cemetery, and he was just as you know frightened as she was. Uh, and he goes, you know, ma'am, that's a that's a toe tag. It's supposed to be on a body uh, that's buried in one of the <laughs> cemeteries, and I have no idea how it ended up in your front yard. Damn. So um, wow. so she was really freaked out at that point. She says, "Well, I'm going to drop <laughs> it off. I don't want it anymore." And he's like, "Well, I don't want it. It's not on the body anymore. Don't bring it back here." Uh, so so she didn't really know what to do at that point because activity was really starting to ramp up. And, and she kind of put two and two together at that point that, geez, activity wasn't happening until I brought this thing inside of my house. So the next people that she called uh, was us. And, uh, you know, you know, we gladly took it off our hands because she, she obviously didn't want to, you know, live with it for the rest of her life. Uh, so the first thing that we do when we get an object is uh, we want to research it. We put it in a quarantine period uh, so we can watch it for a few weeks. And uh, we started researching this whole area uh, that that our house was in and found that in the 1950s, there was this really strange weather event that happened. It was 1955. Uh, there was two hurricanes, major hurricanes back to back within a week apart that dropped about 30 to 40 inches of rain on this entire area. Uh, but that was unfortunate for the cemeteries because they were all built on hills. And when the floodwaters rose, it, yeah, it dislodged a lot ah. of the caskets from the cemeteries. And they were floating down Main Street out to the ocean. People were waking up for work the next morning, finding broken open caskets in their front yard. <laughs> and it was What's interesting about this case, too, is we had recently just acquired this object from a woman that lived down the street from that original location. And and she lived across from a cemetery, and it is a 1950s, we believe, casket handle that was found Whoa. in her front yard. And we think that's oh. her. Yeah, so <laughs> and, that is yeah. absolutely beautiful. It is. It's very beautiful. It's <laughs> yeah, very it really is. Um, but I think there's a lot of these types of pieces still out there in this area, of course. Um, yeah, and, you know, why, would, why would they, you know, hold some sort of energy? Um, well, they weren't able to, you know, obviously locate everybody that floated away. Uh, and the people that they did locate, they most likely couldn't put back in the right, you know, grave spots because they didn't know who they were. Uh, mm-hmm. So, of course, there's a lot of unrest and, uh, you know, you know, could there be some sort of residual energy attached to them? Uh, absolutely. So. Who knows? What the hell? Uh, Stephen Thompson says, we used to watch Ghost Hunters International, but sadly it ended. I love the Scotland episodes. Do you guys still keep in contact with the cast from 
yeah, Ghost Hunters International. I mean, it's not the same cast almost, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, some teams, some teams, uh, some investigators. I mean, uh, definitely switched out. Uh, one of my, you know, great friends is Joe Chin, who was uh, who was on GHI there. Uh, mm -hmm. He still, you know, uh, did some cases with the home team and stuff. Doesn't do it too much anymore, uh, but still a great friend. Uh, Barry uh, Fitzgerald, who was over there in, in Ireland, uh, still keep in contact Dustin with him. Cases too. Dustin Parry is one of he's my best friend. Uh, he lives right up the street, actually, and and uh, he uh, he's you know back on the reboot of Ghost Hunters as well uh, periodically. Yeah. Uh, so you know everybody's still friends for the most part, and um, and everybody's still somewhat involved in the paranormal as well. So uh, I was upset when that show ended too. That was that was a good one. <laughs> Yeah, mm. um, as that thing is, it's one of the things that um, it's something that I always notice because I'm from Scotland, and you watch these the the American TV shows, um, obviously uh, yours included, and you'll see things like, oh, this building's so old; it was built in 1901. <laughs> I'd be just like, nineteen oh one for you guys, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like I can remember nineteen oh one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty old. Over they here, do yeah. have us beat on that. I mean, some of our oldest Absolutely. buildings are maybe sixteen hundreds if we're lucky enough in that area, and like you know, late middle sixteen hundreds. You guys go all the way back over there. Oh yeah, all over there. Really, <laughs> a lot of history. Yeah, uh, Lee Wells, who may or may not be my father, says, "When I hear a thump in the loft, <laughs> I think of a bird stuck, and when I hear the loft creak, I think of heat expanding the wood." before I think of ghosts, but it's in the back of my head. I'm intrigued, <laughs> but neither I'm a, a believer or a non-believer. He's had a few experiences. The, where, I think that where... must be a, a dad thing. My dad's the same. Like He's been mm. around things, seen it happen, and still just does not acknowledge it. Just refuses. <laughs> he's like, oh, the... The counter must be be slanted for that bottle to fall off. No, <laughs> do, you think, uh, <laughs> do you think it's maybe it's maybe easier to just pretend that everything is as it seems? Maybe. Well, it's, yeah, it's out, the out of sight, out of mind, doesn't it? It's yeah, just it's that. just in denial, yeah. isn't it? That's how you deal with everything. Oh, nah, you know, it's it's and that's how we as humans deal with stuff. You just mm. just deny it until it's too late. <laughs> For centuries, I mean, I mean, certain religions were based off of they couldn't explain how the weather was working, so it had to have been gods that did that. It was easier yeah. to understand things like that. So we've always yeah. tried to figure out something when we can't figure it out ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Ideas. Craig Matthewman says, "Have you ever been called out to examine an object, and when you've seen it, you went, nope, not touching that." <laughs> Actually. <laughs> the exact opposite sometimes because we're very hands-on we we feel very protected with ourselves with these objects mm -hmm. so we have gone to cases actually over here we do have two paintings that were given to us and the theory the the story was they caused the death of two people and mm -hmm. you're not supposed to look at them in the eyes or you will have a horrible death as well and cody and mm -hmm. i just went Okay, if you want them, if you don't want them, we can take them off. <laughs> we just took it with our hands, put a, a nice, you know, like a towel, you know, like a nice cover over it and brought them into the museum and put them in quarantine because we don't, I don't think fear, if we're afraid of the objects, the objects own us. So mm. we've have never, you ever, have you ever like snuck a wee, a wee peek just to have a look? <laughs> yeah, I'm not well, going to be responsible. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> looking at it. Yeah, those know. those definitely haven't been uh, in the in the 
you know, featured in the traveling exhibit, but uh, we've looked at them. I've looked yeah. at them and I am still here. So yeah. Knock yeah. on wood. So we're <laughs> still here. I, I think, you know, I think you definitely, I mean, it's not for everybody to collect objects, of course. And mm. I think if you are in the mindset where you will get, you know, afraid of something, uh, I think you definitely need to kind of step away from that and, and, you know, go with your gut instinct. If you're, you're scared, just stay away from it. Uh, mm. So you just have, you have to, I, you just can't be scared, like Satori said, when it comes to the objects, you know? Mm. It's, when it comes to the, the objects, I mean, the, the, the kind of image that we get from Hollywood is that all haunted objects have to look a certain way. They have to have a certain aesthetic. What's yeah. the, I'll ask two questions. What's the, what's the creepiest thing you have in the museum? And what is the most innocent looking thing you have in the museum? I bet it's a plug. <laughs> a plug. Yeah, like a, a plug that you put in yeah. your socket yeah innocent we can do innocent for us yeah okay i'm gonna have to because she covered herself in okay so long story short we have a tree topper angel that was given to us because it supposedly caused three christmas tree fires um oh, you're putting a glove on to touch it yeah it, uh, it couldn't, uh, have, been, it couldn't have been the couldn't have been the lights on the tree or... <laughs> well the first time the first time they thought it was the lights on the tree the family was trying to enjoy christmas of 2019 um the second time they got a new christmas tree a real one brought the christmas tree home perfectly fine put the angel back on the tree second time a christmas tree fire happens it started catching the curtains on the side of the house it actually got really um really bad they had two children in the house the third time Christmas of 2020 comes around, um, they get a new Christmas tree. They find the tree topper angel and the the mother who bought this from a secondhand store. She just thought, you know, I feel compelled to put this item back on the Christmas tree again. So they did go to bed. The fire was so bad the third time that it actually almost trapped them inside their house, they said. Um, so they believed that she wasn't a very good, lucky angel that she was. They called her Death Angel. So that's the nickname we've given her. Um, we took her to the museum. She incorporated nicely. Nothing happened. We put her in a case all of a sudden after an interview where i said nothing had happened with her yet we come downstairs the next day or during that week she's covered in soot covered mm. um the wall has a soot handprint on it that we actually left and measured right by her case we did do a test on it a bleach test it stayed black which means it is a soot like substance and this has happened a couple times since so now she is very covered yeah, but. she definitely looks. Uh, <laughs> I thought you said innocent. That's a creepy little <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> innocent looking until she decides to cover herself. Yeah, she's, she's an angel with a dirty face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looks like oh, Sia. Oh no, there's the face. There we go. Uh, no. Imagine getting done in off a ghost. Imagine that. Eh? So we keep her away from the other objects in case she catches one fire. Yeah. Thank you. Um, this is probably one of the more uh, newer ones. We're not really sure if anything's, you know, still with it. Uh, but this you one, can't even take it out. I know, this, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's in a case with a lot of nails through it. And the story behind this was wow. so, um, wow. we did a, uh, an investigation with a, a group from Australia and, uh, they came and investigated, you know, the conjuring house and they had brought this with them. They picked this up in new Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, this whole story that this was under the building, uh, under supposedly, the building. and um, um, that and, it was cursed. Yes, and it was cursed, and not to open the the suitcase. They if had it's no closed, idea. it's fine. Yeah, they had no idea what it was. Uh, and you know, right away, you know, doing research on different, you know, um, rituals and things like that. When I saw the nails, the nails. Um, usually go along with a lot of rituals, uh, you know, for curses and things like that. Each nail represents something. Uh, so that's what we originally thought. Uh, but when we opened it up, 
Uh, let me try to open no, it up here. No, no. I want to open nope. it up and just... Why? Because. Nope. Why? Because I don't like that. <laughs> not, on, <laughs> on camera, not on camera. Why? Come on, open it. I, want Sorry, I don't want it. I don't want to be that guy, but you're outnumbered majorly here. <laughs> I'm siding with Satori here. This could be how she horribly dies. It's still, still, still three to two. He told, me, he told me he had a joke plan, and I think that's... What he, <laughs> he goes, I'm going to scare you. And I was like, what does that mean? And I know exactly what that means. <laughs> I tried. Oh, I bet you it's just the mummy from the mummy when you know when he opens a box and he's like <laughs> I'm not risking it. I <laughs> also creepy objects. We do have lots of objects such as clown stuff. Uh, a lot of people are terrified of clowns and of dolls. Clowns, yeah. So we do have a lot of that stuff. God um, damn. Uh, uh, no no, yeah. don't do dolls. <laughs> dolls are my I can't do dolls. Dolls you can't terrify do dolls? me. Okay, like, what about a clown doll? <laughs> that one actually looks quite innocent. That's, that's like uh, it's like a raggedy, raggedy it's like raggedy Ann, but a clown oh, a, a raggedy Ann doll. No, yeah. well, that reminds I'd, me of. I'd, I'd set that on fire. That's horrible. That's there used it. to be a TV show <laughs> here in the UK called Zap, and a girl used to be quite mischievous, and she'd run about pulling her pigtails, and that's who it looks like for anybody is watching. That what that show was called? Zap. Zap. Her yeah. name. Oh. Her name yeah. was Daisy Dares You. Right. That's her name. Daisy telling dares you, you, Google Daisy dares you. That's her. I that's another thing is, um, I mean, do, do you kind of do you ever get frustrated with Hollywood depictions of these things? I mean, uh, The Conjuring is a, is a prime example. Great, great movies. Not going to deny that. But I mean, the Annabelle doll, for example, is a Raggedy Ann doll, which. Um, I don't know if Kevin could maybe, I, I don't know how quickly you could maybe pull one up, but if you compare it to what the Hannibal doll actually looks like oh, yeah, in the it's movie, really it's just, uh, don't get, for the movie, it works really well. It's yeah. it's a horrible looking thing. But itself, do, yeah, do you ever, like that. Yeah, do, do, yeah, does that ever bug you? It does. It does. And, you know, we've we've met the real Annabelle. And uh, mm. I don't know. Did you feel anything around her? I felt, I mean, maybe a little strange, but that could also be there are experiments where people's emotions have kind of made something bigger. You know, the energy of it kind of radiate a bit more because people are expecting that. Um, so I'm not sure 100 percent. We haven't investigated the object specifically. But yes, Hollywood has definitely changed items just to try to fit the fear factor of things. And and they've said things on these movies that have really, you know, influenced people. Like everything is is demonic, which some people believe that. And I respect that 100%. Personally, I do not adopt that belief. So, you know, these this movie change to everything kind of makes people afraid of us and what we do a little bit more or expect different than what they're actually getting. So, mm. yes. Right. And, you know, I would say 90, at least, I don't know, 95% of the objects we have, do we believe all of them ha are, you know, haunted or, or have an attachment? No. Uh, but the ones that we do believe have something following it or, you know, I don't think that they're encased inside of the object, the spirits or anything I don't like think that. a box is going to keep it from getting. Yeah. No. So <laughs> I, I think a lot well, of the objects we have were just loved by people in life. And, and when they passed on, maybe once in a while, they just check in on it to see how it's doing. And then they go about their business wherever they are. Uh, but once in a while, they, they see what's going on. Uh, when these objects end up uh, in estate sales and things like that, when uh, the people that love them passed away, uh, of course, they go to new homes. Uh, does the spirit uh, like where the object has gone? Does it like its new home, the environment? Uh, maybe it doesn't. And that's when things start to get a little more active uh, to try scaring the person to get rid of it. Um, you know, we've had objects that have scared the heck out of people, but once they get here, uh, they seem okay. Uh, we definitely noticed that there's this 
acclimation period that when you move an object from an active location to a different location like the museum, uh, sometimes it takes a while for the activity to start up again. Uh, that's why we put it in the quarantine period for a couple of weeks just to put equipment around it and watch it and see if anything happens. And nine times out of 10, nothing happens. But the 5% um, of what we believe to be negative objects are housed separately from our actual, you know, other objects because we don't like that energy mingle. So we kind of keep them separate just in case. Yeah. <laughs> So that that um that attachment of what spirits cling to to objects that's that's what's known as the uh, the stone tape theory is that right? Uh, so stone tape theory um, is more pertained to a residual type type haunting. So uh, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be something intelligent that we'd be able to communicate with. Um, we do have objects that we believe hold uh, residual activity, which would, uh, which, so basically the stone tape theory is just when uh, the object itself or the environment, the house, uh, the mm -hmm. materials that make up a house kind of holds that energy. It, it kind of gets absorbed into the materials that make up uh, whatever it is. So if it is an object, the energy gets absorbed into it. Uh, and it's not the actual spirit, but just the essence of of that person. Uh, you can't communicate okay. with it. It's not intelligent at all. Uh, it won't respond to you. It's just kind of there. Uh, it's those mm -hmm. things like you get a strange feeling or or um, a good way to, do, to describe the stone tape theory is Think of a routine that you do every single day inside of your house. Maybe you wake up in the morning, you go down the stairs, have a cup of coffee, and then you go to work every single day uh, for God knows how many years. Let's say you do it for 40 years. Some people have done that. Same job, same routine over and over again. And then when they pass away, a new family moves into the house, and the only thing that they see is somebody walking down the stairs once in a while. Mm. Uh, most likely, that would be an example of the stone tape theory, that because of that repetitive action over and over again for years, it gets ingrained on the property and people are just seeing like a replay of what's happening. So if you think of it like that, I guess if an object is involved, yes, it could hold some sort of, you know, energy kind of imprinted on it. That's a very interesting idea. Yeah. So what what would you how would you then classify? So one of the uh, one of the, the first case we looked into was a case of the Black Lady of Lark Hall. Sure. And from that um, Lark Hall, which is an area uh, in Scotland not far from where we are, uh, there was a, a house called Broomhill House and a uh, nasty twat of a man. Uh, I'm not going down the complete history of it. Basically, the theory is that he uh, murdered a woman he brought back from South Africa and uh, her haunting has kind of continued on from the location of the house into a pub which is not too far away because of a big stone um, emblem with a family crest that's been moved and placed into the wall of that pub. So how would you then kind of classify how that sort of attachment would happen? Because it's come from that physical, um, I suppose, physical object of the stone lintel, because uh, previously there was no real attachment to the pub. It just right. came from the house itself. Yeah, so that's so so people believe. Uh, you know, we have a whole section of the museum that's uh, dedicated to pieces of object, pieces of homes, and famous locations and things like that. And uh, mm. this would fit right into that because uh, people believe. Like we have a piece of the original Amityville house sitting in behind the computer here, and people believe that when they're around it, they feel um, you know scared. They feel um, kind of uh, like they're underwater sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to breathe, and other people feel fine. That would be a good example of the. Stone 
stone tape theory that the energy is is somehow ingrained in this. Uh, why they're seeing that person? Um, some people believe that just by having some dirt from the location or a piece of location, in that case, uh, you know, the piece of stone uh, that um, you know it's holding some of the energy. Uh, so whether it's residual or not, it could be an intelligent yeah. uh, version of of just wanted to go to that because um, it, it's important to the story. Right, it's important to the story. So it could be a, a mix of both. It all depends on what the experience is. If people are seeing her and uh, she kind of looks like she's in her own mind, she's not looking at you. She just kind of looks through you or looks away from you and not really paying attention to your if you're there. Most likely that would be something residual. Uh, if mm -hmm. she's you know having interactions with people and actually walking up to people and noticing them uh then it might be something more intelligent and something that that's um, so cool yeah that's yeah i mean we haven't we've not been to that location yet we're kind of hoping to get there soon Actually, uh, i have well um, you know j-max towards j-max being yeah, yeah but i just went for, i, I wait for some chicken wings <laughs> apparently they have amazing wings and i am intrigued yeah. to try them yeah, we have to try the chicken wings. <laughs> the, uh, according, according to the stories of the people that have, have seen the black lady, she does kind of, you know, she'll stare at you and has interacted with a couple of people who have seen her on multiple occasions. So hmm. once we're there, we find out, I'll let you know. We'll, let yeah. <laughs> we will send you the link because we'll, we'll yeah. essentially film it. Yeah. I, uh, I do have the image here of the animal, which looks like the doll you're holding, actually. Actually, yeah, yeah, she does, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also... On top of that, we have Craig Matthewman design here, which is uh, the Jabber Bell, which is uh, J Mac as Annabelle, and you can see me in the background there, pushing across. Editing so well done. It's so good. I don't even know if I could do that face again. Hang on. <laughs> I have a clip here of the museum just to kind of let everybody at home know all about the museum, which we'll talk to you about its inception in a sec. Here is the Welcome to the Paranormal Couples Haunted Museum of Objects, Oddities, and Curiosities. Curated by the paranormal couple themselves, Cody Ray Despian and Satori Hawes. This unique traveling exhibition visits haunted locations and conventions around the United States and features up to 150 presumed haunted artifacts from the museum. These objects have been hand-selected by Cody and Satori themselves due to their intriguing yet eerie spooky stories. Come view items from around the world, including tribal artifacts, occult items, true crime memorabilia, haunted dolls, clowns, and so much more. If you're a fan of the paranormal or history in general, then there's something here for you. For more information on the museum and upcoming events, be sure to visit us at ParanormalCouple.com and follow us on Facebook at The Paranormal Couples Haunted Museum. Now that hey, plug, hey. hey, that stays in there, supposed haunted i am right let me just play this clip that uh cody had sent earlier <laughs> oh yeah is, yeah right? i'm not even going to tell you what happens in it let's just let's just watch this and for anybody listening at home or on spotify and the archives you can go to youtube facebook and anywhere that we go live and check this out you need to visually see it to believe it Here i just want to say this wasn't hmm? sped up at all no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't sped up. yeah here it is 
pay close attention to this wee dolly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like that is uh yeah. creepy. <laughs> he's, the most, <laughs> he's the most haunted object we have yeah, yeah. Was it, is the is the body of that doll like a solid surface or is it one of those like stuffed cotton kind of things so she is victorian uh, i did some research so she has <coughs> um knees down hands and head but her body is stuffed very tightly and stitched right. very tightly. So for her arm to spring and manipulate like that with her body, it's actually really, really hard to recreate if we were to even try to. Um, we weren't able to recreate it 100%. So it's, I don't know. It happened yeah. at 2.30 in the morning. Definitely we got a motion tried. detection. Yeah, we wow. tried to recreate that's it. That's impressive. And it still gives me chills. That's not the only video we recorded of her moving either. It's it's uh, just, that's the best one we've gotten. So yeah, yeah she's uh, she's definitely strange for sure. There's something with her. And it's rare that, that we record stuff moving uh mm -hmm. you know, paranormal activity in general is rare uh but that's something that we just can't explain you know but weird would you guys ever consider taking that uh traveling museum international we would like to we'd have to figure out how to get everything i'm over not there. taking would... these objects on a plane so if we can get them <laughs> on a boat i would feel comfortable i think a plane and then somebody finding out oh there's a cursed idol on this plane or something if something happens we're gonna get blamed maybe if it. it was if it was a private plane i would do it i'm not getting out of i hate I planes already if it was a private plane, <laughs> no i would do it um, Lee Bell's I, asked, I'd love, be, I'd love i'd love to be able to just suggest that as a real proposition yeah, yeah. we'll just get a private plane <laughs> Not an issue. We'll just we'll just fire up the old jet. No problem. Uh, Lee Wells asks, "Why was the camera on that exact doll?" I mean, I don't think it was essentially on the doll. It was on the area, wasn't it? Yes, it was on the area, but we also knew that she was having some activity before because we did have a doll section that she was in when we first incorporated mm. her. There's lots of dolls. And every time we came downstairs, these dolls' heads would turn 180 degrees backwards facing away from her and if we fix them go back upstairs come back down they'd be knocked over their heads would be turned again if possible turned fully <laughs> around and she was the only one that was left normal so we assumed okay let's take away the one variable we added to this we put her across here and move the dolls she just moves on her own now and the dolls are perfectly fine so we decided mm -hmm. to keep the camera on her to see what yeah. happens we have a bunch toy of story five yeah. toy <laughs> story five <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah yeah and Craig Matthewman asks, have you ever had anybody proper freak out in the museum? <laughs> yes, yeah. when we've done events. Yeah, so some of the traveling uh, exhibits, we definitely had people. Yes, we did. Stuff. Like the yeah. clown doll we had uh, that I just brought up here, Jolene, she moved on a chair once and a woman freaked out so bad that she didn't really want to be in the same room. We've had people leave and say they felt sick or they felt you know, paranoid in certain sections that we've given them warnings to. Um, some people have had visions. Psychics get very worried. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things we try to make it really immersive. So 
uh, in each of the rooms, if you visit one of the, the traveling exhibitions, uh, we have, you know, stations where you can write down if you're feeling anything or uh, experience something. And we definitely had some strange notes left to us uh, of stuff that, uh, you know, with that doll that we showed the video, a lot of people have uh, at different locations have uh, said that, if, you know, they'd go up to her and start looking her in their eyes and then it would almost look like she'd start shaking back and forth at them. Uh, so we've gotten that multiple times. Claim sensitives have also felt very overwhelmed too. So yeah, okay. yeah, strange. Yeah. Reese McColgan asks, huh? Well, you go by one last question for? Oh, sorry, I was just there. Uh, Reese McColgan asks, "What's the worst experience you've ever witnessed?" Ooh. Worst experience I've ever witnessed. Uh, so for me, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm to that one. Open that box and there'll be a new one. <laughs> yeah, that's the way you're open the box. <laughs> no, we're not opening the box. Not on the regular season. Yeah. So I've done um I've done a lot of cases. I want to say it's upwards of geez, over six hundred now, close to six hundred cases since I've been doing mm. this. And I can count on one hand the times that I think I've run into something negative or, you know, demonic or bad, whatever term you want to call it, something mm. bad. And uh, probably the first time I ran into something that I would consider, you know, definitely negative uh, was at a private case and come to find out long, very long story short, um, one of the family members that would always kind of be lurking in the background when we were investigating, he was uh, part of a, uh, a cult that would, you know, drinking each other's blood and doing different type oh. of rituals and things like that. Oh. And uh, everybody that once was involved in this cult all died mysteriously, you know, very strangely, like things fell on top of them or, or really strange accidents. And this was the only guy that was left. And once oh. we confronted him on that, because he kept it a secret, once we found out and confronted him about that, it's something that still gives me chills to this day. Uh, you know, he just like, it was like flipping a switch and the guy, it looked like somebody had poured ink in his eyes like that. They just turned complete, all the white disappeared in his eyes. And uh, he started, you know, reciting Latin and, and it just, it just, you know, the guy definitely changed, um, uh, changed, you know, I, I can't explain it. He just changed, uh, you know, knocking and, it looked like there was an earthquake and we don't have earthquakes in this area oh. of the United States. And uh, the whole house was shaking. It just was something that I'll never forget. I was filming the whole thing. I have it all on tape. We have audio of it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I oh. was, uh, and you can see the camera start to shake because I had just never seen anything like this. And I had just started, you know, uh, that was the first team I was ever with. And uh, you know, what a way to start investigating. Cause that was crazy. That was nuts. Wow. That, that freaked me out. That really freaked me out. Thankfully, those experiences are extremely rare to come by, um, mm. those true experiences. Uh, and thankfully, that that guy, I think, uh, has gotten some help now and turned his life around. I hope. I hope. <laughs> and you, you, Satori, you, do you have a... Well, that was a, a pretty dark <laughs> case. Um, we do have, I think, maybe a dark case... 1800s house, um, 1600s, 1600s house. house yeah. We did a case at a house from the 1600s and the owner said, well, this man in this house, the spirit of a man, he's not very nice. He'll throw things at us and, and hurt us and things like that. So um, we did this case. We went and it was very aggressive activity. We were having things move. And I said something along the lines of, you can't be here and harass these people anymore. That's not nice. You have to be nice. And when I said that, the chair, I was I was on the floor in the center of the room. There was a chair behind me a couple feet and it slid back like a warning slide and it slid and hit the wall with so much force 
and Man. not one side more than the other. It just completely slid back and hit the wall. And everybody in that room saw that. And we had to take a break from the house. It was more like a don't tell me what to do kind of thing. Wow. Um, mm. But thankfully, we were able to get some help for the owners of that building. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Wow. wow. Kev, what was the story of the, the guy from, uh, well, the, the guy in, uh, tried to exercise George McKenzie? You know, oh, he died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that that same ghost that we were telling you about that's in the black mausoleum. Oh, yeah. Um well, they say it's of George McKenzie, but they've no like they've no actual proof. No one's ever been like, yo, who's there? And he's been, it's George. You know, I mean they don't <laughs> actually know who it is, but they always he's been branded the George McKenzie poltergeist because it's from the tomb that he is resting or not resting. And uh the basically what happened is um some guy had come to the this guy was like a a paranormal guy. <laughs> I don't know what the word is for him. And he would go along and he would do exorcisms here, there, and everywhere. He was really good at it. And that's an exorcist. Oh, an exorcist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm just picturing Reagan when you say an exorcist. Um, so he went. Those are the real. They, those are real things. Well, <laughs> so he went. He went along to this black mausoleum where all the happenings were happening. And you can see there's a in the image if you Google search it, you can see when someone took a picture of him in that courtyard, you can see an apparitional figure behind him through the window, kind of staring at him. And he went there, he'd done all his stuff, and then after it he was like, Whoa, whatever that is, he was like, I can't get rid of that. And then he was like, And I think it's just killed me. And then like three days later, in the middle of doing another like another uh reading with someone, he was like Oh no! Like something had come to get him, and he just faced down, dead. Wow! Oh my goodness! And they reckon that like George was like, "Oh, got beef with you. You come to my, my, you come to my place. I come to yours. Now, let me show you how it's done." Yeah, so you should come, definitely come to Scotland. It's lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm down. You guys sold me. Yes, yes, that's the same place we're going. This yeah, that's where we're going. Month. We'll have fun. It'll, it'll be really luckily, funny. When... Uh, luckily, none of us know how to do an exorcism, and I'm not going to be really funny when, when you come back on the show next time. It'll be like this. <laughs> hey, what happened to J-Mac? Remember that thing? We were telling you? Oh, I can just imagine you all with scars and bruises. And, and yeah. Why me? <laughs> I don't know. I just... Out of three of us, it's going to happen to you. I, I, I'm the... I am the weak why. one. Right? And <laughs> movie logic. It's movie logic. The guy that takes a piss against the tree is always the first guy to die, right? And of us all, you're the first guy that would take a piss against the tree. Well, it depends on the tree and how much I need a piss, <laughs> which is There's all the time. So you're not really defending factors. that one very well, are you? <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so you're going to die first. <laughs> um, so um, what we we started this podcast primarily as, as a podcast about uh, movies. So I have to ask both of you what your favorite horror movies are. We'll stick with horror just because, you know. It's only fair. Sure. <laughs> um, well, for me, I love the original Halloween, you know, the John Carpenter Halloween. Yes. Uh, so um, that, that's definitely for me. And I just like the whole aspect <laughs> of Michael Myers and his whole, you know, demeanor. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Um, that's my haunted object. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's definitely uh, my favorite for sure. Oh, I don't know. Um, I like the original Halloween. We watched that together many times. Um, 
if we had to choose newer movies, definitely, you know, the newer It movie or the newer, you know, I like the psychological kind of horror of things too. So, for example, I also like, um, you know, I'm just trying to think. Like Nightmare on Elm Street. I like the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I think very. that was, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not very picky about my horror movies. I like them all, you know? Yeah. 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 There's one for every every night of the week. Mm, yeah. yeah I watch them all. <laughs> there's a bunch for sure. Yeah. Um, busy. There was a question there by Craig. Um, he asks, What's the story on the boat behind you? I have been boat. looking at that boat. I've been watching that. Yeah. We keep wanting to ask. Yeah. You want to quickly? Yeah. Sure. So that boat uh, came from Connecticut. And uh, mm -hmm. the story behind it was uh, the gentleman. Uh, his hobby was building, you know, model ships from scratch. Mm -hmm. And he started off with, you know, little ships in a bottle and then uh, gradually moved up to this. And uh, this was the last one uh, he was working on before he passed away. Unfortunately, he was terminally ill. And he had a little workshop set up inside of his house. And uh, his family uh, would, you know, walk by the workshop. And sometimes a light would be turned on by itself. And they would just shut it mm -hmm. off and say hi. Uh, they were really freaked out about the paranormal. They knew it was him. Uh, but they, it really still freaked them out. Uh, they would just kind of, you know, shy away from it. Uh, but one day, I believe it was around Thanksgiving, family was over. And his daughter uh, really was gravitating towards this, this workshop. And um, they started finding out that his tools were still uh, moving around the ship uh, like he wanted to finish it. It looks like he was turning it into like a lamp or something, a light. There's wires coming out of it and light bulbs and stuff. Uh, so I think he was turning into a light and I think uh, it was unfinished business. I think he wanted to come back and, and try finishing it uh, or at least let his family know that he was still around and doing something that he, he liked to do. Uh, mm. So the family, uh, you know, we definitely told them that we 100% believe that it's him uh, that's moving the tools and they agreed uh, but again they just were really still freaked out and they wanted to uh, you know keep his story alive and um, in the museum we have a lot of objects just like this uh, that were owned by people and their families want to keep their their story alive their name alive and and um, this is one way to do it uh, they they you know donated the ship and um, you know when we you know we feature it in our traveling exhibit and we tell his story, you know, tell the story of his life and what he loved to do. And, and, uh, which is why, even if you're not a fan of the paranormal, uh, if you're just a fan of history or, um, you know, interesting stories, uh, you can definitely, you know, find that there. Uh, because, uh, you know, we have, you know, for example, like polio braces from one of the hospitals and a lot of this generation, yeah, we have, you know, like world war pins and things, yeah, and uniforms, a lot of the newer generation doesn't, you know, uh, isn't really caught up on, you know, that history on, you know, what polio was or what happened, uh, why did the whole, uh, you know, you know, war start and things like that. So uh, we try to teach everybody a little something when they come and, and, um, and, you know, I guess that's what makes it enjoyable for the people that are dragged there by uh, their loved one that is really into the paranormal when they're not. So uh, we try to make everybody happy. Oh yeah, that's a decent toy. Yeah. Fire Saw the comment. Oh, somebody. <laughs> How funny if uh, if Cody was just like, "No, that's just mine." <laughs> <laughs> I like fire trucks. <laughs> um, this one came from New Jersey. Uh, it was um, it was a um, uh, 
was it Pennsylvania, New Jersey? Pennsylvania. One of the two. The document sitting over there blur. in the drawer. Yeah, it was New Jersey or Pennsylvania, and uh, it was a mother and son. Uh, they were walking through, I believe it was like a, a church yard sale, a fundraiser, and uh, Pennsylvania. Okay, it's Pennsylvania. And um, uh, walking through the, the charity yard sale, and right away, the young child is drawn uh, to uh, the fire truck and wants to purchase it. So the mother um, pays a few dollars for the fire truck and um, and he brings it home. And this becomes his go-to toy, the toy he plays with every single day. And uh, the mother's happy. He's, he's enjoying himself. And uh, Those she are starts living dogs. Living dogs barking, yep. And uh, <laughs> um, uh, things start to turn a little, a little darker. Um, uh, she starts noticing that uh, the kid's having a one-way conversation with himself. She thinks it's an imaginary friend and just lets him keep playing. Um, she starts seeing the fire truck. Uh, he would go away to his father's house because, uh, you know, the, the mother and father lived in separate houses. And uh, she would see the fire truck uh, kind of lighting up on its own by itself. And that kind of freaked her out. Uh, mm. But the, the, the straw that uh, the last straw for this case was uh, one day uh, the child comes running over to the mother, crying, really upset saying that there's a, uh, a boy that's around the fire truck uh, and he's really sick and, um, and you know, he wants to play with the fire truck. He's in a dress. He's in a, a white dress oh. with uh, blue polka dots. And um, uh, this really, you know, uh, freaked the mother out because he was naming medical terms that uh, a six or seven year old shouldn't, shouldn't know. Uh, so yeah. she called us up and uh, this was, you know, during the pandemic. So we had to work the case over zoom. We got to interview the boy and we had to promise him that we would take care of the sick boy. Yeah. So, um, mm -hmm. so we showed him some different pictures and asked him what this dress looked like. And, and we showed him some pictures of some hospital gowns and right away he was like, yep, that, that, that's what I'm seeing. And, um, and the terms that he was saying definitely made sense. Uh, so, um, the first job that we said was for the mother, try contacting um, the church or wherever the yard sale was and see if they know where they got a lot of their donations from. And uh, she ended up doing that. And the person said that uh, they get a lot of donations from uh, a bunch of places. She couldn't um, be certain. But uh, mm -hmm. a good amount of toys came from one of the local uh, children's hospitals in the area that were replacing their toys with new toys and and wanted to donate their toys to uh, a cause and and was giving them out to the different you know churches and charities to resell. Uh, so we can't say 100% that's where the fire truck came from, uh, but uh, I, it fits it fits the story well. Uh, mm -hmm. Now. Why uh, did they want to get rid of the fire truck? Uh, you know, it was definitely making the child upset. It was affecting his his uh, you know social life and really affecting him emotionally. And uh, he didn't really want to play with the fire truck anymore. He really thought it was the boys. And uh, I think this is one of those objects that almost acts like a trigger. Uh, I believe that a child has to play with the object. Uh, a living child has to play with the object for the spirit of the child to come out. Um, so I, I, I we haven't had any activity with the fire truck, mm -hmm. I don't believe, um, since it's been in our possession. I don't think we will, uh, unless mm -hmm. you have that that trigger, uh, somebody playing with the fire truck to bring it out. You know, That's a horror movie waiting to happen, isn't it? Absolutely is. Yep. I just, I, it, it's just, it, I don't know, just that, that story, it, it just kind of changes the tone of the whole podcast it's such a sad story um it's a it's i don't know that it, just for me when whenever uh, stories like this start involving kids whether they be living or dead it just starts yeah i don't know i think it changes when you when you have kids when you've got your own 
you tend to find things involving kids. You're going to have him a uh, bit more. It's a, you get a bit more of a visceral reaction. He's going to gonna start crying. <laughs> Not tonight. Um, uh, I'll quickly read this because I know you guys have another another episode to go ahead to do. How lot? I mean, it's that's tonight, isn't it? Is it? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's very soon, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so Craig says, I caught my daughter when she was young speaking to herself. She described an old lady who was pretty close to my wee aunt who died. It was Christmas time and we had just put out a Christmas bear she had bought. We still have the bear and talk about it every year. Uh, sitting Aww. around the, the old Christmas Aww. tree in it there. That's we, we always encourage people to tell us their stories and we always put an open invitation out to whenever we're doing these and we're not got guests on for people to come on and tell us their story and see if we can sniff some bs or just go with it <laughs> to be fair it's, we we've had people on this show that if you were going to call bs on it we would uh, we had john edmund who's from where's it he's from again stardust ranch yeah but where's that again it's out in uh, arizona. arizona arizona and he told us he killed uh like 13 aliens with a samurai sword and uh well another story yes yeah, yeah yeah so he was on this show and by the way talking to him you don't get the vibe that he's a crazy guy you right actually, no right no. I, I, no. that's the craziest thing it's like yeah. we were seeing him and we we're like you know how if, if you had an experience you'd go to work the next day and, and t- by the way you'll never guess what happened to me and he, he even says these words he's like and you, anybody that's listening that wants to check out go back and listen it's in the archive there um, yeah. but he's like yes he's like you know, don't you think I know how crazy this makes me sound? <laughs> I'm killing people with a samurai sword. He's like, but what else am I supposed to say if this is really what I've done? You right, know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so we we never we never treat anybody in the sense that it's crazy or whatever. We always anything is possible, and I suppose to have a closed mind would be kind of stupid, uh, which is kind of why we do this paranormal part because we will get into the the, uh, the extra eye and the extra threshold and anything that's not normal i mean i think mm. I, le- I learned that from uh your dad's book so sorry as a uh, paranormal is just anything that isn't normal isn't it it's beyond yeah. normal um and that's that's essentially what we can aim to do is kind of just check that stuff out um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you guys on and the door is always open for you guys to come on every and i think the the uh I mean, you guys have done the ghost hunters and stuff, but I think there's more to the the paranormal couple from you guys. Books, yeah. maybe your own TV show or a web series. <laughs> I know you guys are quite active on uh, podcasts <laughs> and doing live streams, but I think there's probably more to go. For. I mean, you you literally have a a museum full of haunted objects. <laughs> I know, right? So, so another ten years, and maybe the Conjuring will be featuring. Maybe uh, Ed and Wayne Warren will be out the door. You know? Yeah, know. <laughs> we definitely like to keep busy. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. After after the twelfth of February, when I die in Edinburgh, we'll send you something of mine. And you can keep it. <laughs> I'll send you his microphone. <laughs> if you guys go missing at this pace, we're getting a plane ticket to Scotland. <laughs> we we oh. want to join in on the fun. Yeah, <laughs> hey, if, you guys, if you guys are ever What's through in Scotland, yeah, uh, we um we're very active here in Scotland. So if you guys ever do come to Scotland or if you are passing by, definitely give us a shout because we got a full production crew at the disposal here. So we can uh, anything you guys need, we will uh, get together and do some cool stuff. And we have so much access to all the crazy haunted places as well. I've uh, I've gone ahead and posted the link to your next episodes, which is will be is that in a few hours hours or is it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a couple hours away. Yeah, a couple yep. hours away. So yeah, I've I've p- posted the link there for everybody that doesn't know. Uh, Satori and Cody will be on another episode tonight with the woman who used to own 
or still she's she, she, she owns she it. She's one of the uh, she was the eldest child, and so if you've mm-hmm. seen the movie The Conjuring, five children, Andrea Perrin, she's the oldest child, and um, she has a podcast. The movie's now, and, based off of her story. Yep, yeah. based off her story. So we're going to be talking with her um, mm-hmm. more about our connection, and and you know the, if yeah. you've seen the episode of Ghost Hunters, the way. Uh, you know, we hold hands and communicate. Mm-hmm. So it should be an interesting show, but the show was great. And likewise, if you guys are ever over here uh, mm. in the States, definitely uh, send me a message and, Absolutely. and uh, we'll definitely bring it to some of our local haunts around here. That'd be amazing. And, uh, that'd be incredible. That'd be, yeah. that'd be incredible. Um, and uh, can I just ask one one question uh, before <laughs> we move on to the, the plug-in? Sure. <laughs> um, Corey, what's, what's it like having Jason Hawes as a father, <laughs> you want to know something strange, and um, so I, you know, I of course watched Ghost Hunters, and uh, you know, I didn't know they were based in the next state over in, in Rhode Island uh, until a few episodes in, and once I found that out, um, you know, so it's it's really strange. I mean, um, it's really weird when doors open and close something inside of me knew that I, you know, was going to be a part of taps and, uh, and, you know, um, I just, I, it's just really weird. And, uh, and then meeting Jason and everything else, uh, he's a really great guy and, um, he, he definitely runs a team. He, what you see on the TV show is, uh, is what he's like in real person, uh, in real life. He and, definitely um, causes you trouble and busts you up sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's great. He's a very, you know, straight shooter, uh got kind of guy and um yeah he's really great i love him he's cool he told you to say that <laughs> <laughs> he's on camera right now. <laughs> <laughs> no he's, he, he does he seems like a a, a cool guy he's, he's a big imposing guy but he seems like a, a kind of gentle giant but not one you want to mess with yeah <laughs> he'll always he'll always be honest with you and straightforward and, oh uh, yes he will yeah he'll always tell that's you how exa- he that's exactly what you want though you wouldn't yeah, want exactly. to Exactly. That's exactly what you need. And so you guys are active on Patreon. People can go over there. Uh, it's at patreon.com forward slash haunted museum. People can support you. I think it's great what you guys are doing with the collecting the objects, essentially taking them from people that don't want these burdens and turning it into something quite positive. And you're, le- you're teaching people and learning things from things that may seem uh, macabre, would it be? Sure. Um, so you're taking a, a negative and turning it into a positive. Good so. Yeah. All, all of the uh, all of the support that you, everybody watching, if you just want to go ahead and follow them there, you can also check out what you guys will be up to at paranormalcouple.com. Uh, and I imagine you'll be on very much more of the Ghost Hunter episodes and everything that's going on with Ghost Nation and all that really cool stuff. So we'll you, we will definitely be seeing you on everything. And you guys should come back on soon. We'll uh, we'll come up with another another reason to get together. <laughs> um, and we'll chat more about the paranormal stuff and hey something might happen on your end when you guys are out on, in the museum uh, that just completely blows everything up absolutely so thanks again for coming on guys and like i say the door is always open um and we will definitely do more of this and thanks again to everybody that's tuned in tonight i know everybody's talking about how how much fun they've had tonight uh, haunted or not the stories behind the objects are amazing thanks guys so yeah so make sure to go ahead and check you guys out you guys are uh, available on instagram twitter and facebook um basically everywhere same places that we are available these guys are available so go ahead and check them out follow and basically just keep keep the steam train running and thanks again guys and we will catch you guys on the next episode of paranormal potter (laughs) take it easy guys
Thank you for listening to Paranormal Pattern with Kev, J-Mac and Kieran in association with Jibber Jabber Podcast. You can watch future episodes live on Facebook Live and on YouTube. You can also catch up on our previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify and any available podcast database. Don't forget to check out our website at www.jibberjabberpodcast.com Good night and sleep tight.